take all take what's there and make the best of it. And I do think that that's an approach that I apply to my work. COVID actually was truly a gift for us. Their creativity is expressed in so many interesting ways through, you know, through isolation and lockdown. Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. My name's Chris Meredith. And my name's Paul Fairweather. And Chris and I are on a journey to unlock the secrets of creativity in business. And today, our guest is Tamara Rule. Tamara is the Head of Communications and Brand at Allens, uh, a law firm, an Australian law firm that has been in existence and celebrating its 200th year anniversary. So we learned lots of things today, Chris. Fascinating. So uh, creativity has an image problem. I'd never thought about that. And as she said it, I, I was really struck that how true that is, uh, how she uses stories to lift the veil on an image perception that lawyers have, that they, they're distant kind of academics. Um, and we learned about hybrid working. There's perhaps a third space that we can all benefit from if you happen to do a commute. During that commute, the brain's in a different space and does different kind of work. Yeah, what a wonderful show. Yep, so uh, let's get her in. So Tamara Rule, uh, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Thanks, Paul and Chris. Lovely to be here. Yeah, lovely to welcome you to the show. We're really excited to chat to you. Yeah, we're, look, we're very excited. And we we're just having a chat uh, before we started recording. And on your profile on LinkedIn, you are a tell yourself as creative and commercially astute communications professional, which we loved. And as you said, you had that special C word in there, creativity, which uh, which always catches our eye. But look, we're really interesting. You 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 started by telling us uh, your expectations when you came to Allen's, the uh, the law firm. I came to the firm having worked for twelve years at another big professional services firm, but in accounting, and I think I kind of came at it thinking professional services B two B, same same but different, um, and possibly having some. Um, uh, ill-founded expectations of what lawyers might be like as well. Um, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be a particularly creative environment, but um, I was quickly proven wrong. And And I think lawyers' love of language is one of the things that I probably wasn't expecting, and maybe that's naive of me, but um, as a comms professional, it's a very, very different environment to work with people who just love to pick apart words and be very precise with the use of language and think very deeply about about those things and that was a very different experience to working with so, accountants who were like I'm not the words person write this for me <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear more about that because the one thing I associate with lawyers is if they like things to be very either right or wrong I mean when they're arguing it when a, a legal case there's no middle ground there it's either right or it's wrong and surely yeah. that does lead you down the track where it says you can't be creative because you've got to be either this or that. So there's no room to explore. And, and yet yeah. you're saying they do. This does happen. Tell no, well, I think the law is a very interesting beast. It's not It's not always black and white and there's a lot of interpretation involved in kind of um, taking, taking the principles of law and applying it to different contexts and rapidly evolving contexts as well. So like the work that we do, it's really at the very cutting edge of law. We're advising biggest companies, you know, on the ASX who are grappling with very difficult and new problems, you know, technologies 
rapidly changing and they're coming to grips with, well, what does the law say about, you know, how we can use data of our customers or, you know, all of these things that the, the law actually doesn't have a position on and you need to kind of make it up as you go along and take what's there and apply it to new problems. So it's a, there is a, actually a very creative process associated with um, legal work. Is it, is it possible to tease out what the creative process is for a lawyer? The reason I ask that is a lot of creatives just think it's just intuitive. It just comes to you. And actually, if you dig around, you find that every creative person has a little framework, a process they go mm. through, the things they do. Some companies encode it and they have a, a steps that they go through. I'd be surprised if that exists at Allen's. But could you, is there a... Yeah, I mean, I think I think it comes back to, always to that client for focus and that commercial focus. So it's about understanding, well, what is it that my client wants to achieve? What's the end goal for them? Where do they want to go? And And then you need to think very laterally and creatively about how you can get there. And sometimes the path will not be well trodden. Sometimes you'll be, you know, carving a new route to to that end game um and yeah I mean I'm not a lawyer so I'm not very close to that to the process that they work through but I know that it's yeah it's definitely about holding that end game in mind and how just creative problem solving I suppose um so yeah so how does how does their their process and role which you know you're aware of but not deeply involved with intersect which with yours which is probably you know more creative uh, yes. and, and maybe it, uh, in your yeah. last business you were the well, go see the creative person. <laughs> so yeah. how, how does that how does that affect you? Or? Yeah, well, I think I mean law has been through such a transformation over the recent um, past, and it's gone from being this sort of profession that didn't really have to compete for work or talent um, to operating in a highly competitive environment where. Um, there is a war for talent and a real shortage of great lawyers and it's uh, organizations have much higher expectations of their service providers as well and they it's not just good enough to be technically excellent you need to be able to demonstrate that you share their values and that um, they that you're a kind of business that they want to associate themselves with and and ultimately our business is about relationships and about people um, and so connecting with people on a deeper level, has certainly come to the fore um, for law firms and that is a journey that my team's been instrumental in so how do you how do you lift the veil if you like and kind of show people the inside of an organization how do you show people what our culture and values are like and how do you help people to find some common ground with those legal advisors that they want to they really want them to be an extension of their team, not just someone off there to the side that sends them advice. And Tamara, I'd love to know how do you do that because the the legal profession, I think, has sort of been built up on the same principles that the, the Wizard of Oz built in the summer, which is this this, uh, this person that sort of lives in some mighty chamber and if you travel far enough, you know, you might be granted an audience with this high hype that's how it was all built up in back in the day and you're saying I need to lift the veil I need to open the door how do you do that yeah I mean the thing that is so interesting is that that perception pervades you know and has 
it, it just continued to exist out there in society of this kind of ivory tower. And that's certainly an impression that I had before joining. And But inside, it is a, actually a very different story. It's quite an egalitarian culture, very open, very creative, very supportive and collaborative. And, um, and so part of my job is to help to close the gap between perception and reality and actually help people to see the great culture that exists inside. So the way that we do that um, is, is through telling stories. And COVID actually was a huge um, boon for us because every year we, we promote, you know, a cohort of new partners. So a bunch of new people join the partnership of ours or a partnership structure. And normally we um, do a, you know, flashy kind of campaign with lights, cameras, action, makeup, you know, videos, photos, ad in the AFR, very polished professional profiles. And we run that campaign to introduce those new partners to market. In 2020, we were in lockdown and there was absolutely no way that that was even physically possible. Um, but we also acknowledged it's a very different um, vibe. We'd all switched to remote working overnight and people had been seeing into each other's homes. It had already started to break down a lot of those barriers. And so we took a very different approach to our new partner campaign that year. We did very candid photography and we made the profiles very personal and it just took off and we've continued to use that model, um, not just to introduce our new partners to market, but to tell other stories of the people of Allens. And it's called This Is Allens, um, this campaign that we run. And it's it's sustained and it's very popular and we've had great feedback on it. Well, I, I, we've, you've touched a nerve. You said storytelling <laughs> and something that Paul and I are both <laughs> passionate about. Did that, I, I, I still wonder if, there were people that were threatened by this idea of seeing see into your home when you're on a online like we are right now, um, and the idea of the stories being more personal when when you've built mm. your career about you know being this professional with the letters after your name, and you the marketing person say actually we want to know behind the scenes we want you to open the door we want you to tell stories and stories is a word that yeah. associates itself with you know the kids or your mates in the pub perhaps but not not a professional how did that go the idea of telling stories yeah i mean i think covid actually was truly a gift for us because trying to pitch that idea um you know 5 years ago i don't think we would have had a lot of traction to be perfectly honest but people were um, they'd experienced what being more open could do for them. They had already connected with their clients on a different level and their teams and their people. Um, COVID had already started to break down some of those barriers and people were saying, hang on a minute, this is actually amazing. It's supercharging relationships. I'm, I'm actually getting to know people better and, and it's wonderful. Um, so I think a lot of those barriers had already started to break down and and we didn't have much choice um if you, you wanted you wanted to get your profile out there in the market you got to do it this way because we can't get a photographer around to your house and um yeah we need to see you at home a selfie please <laughs> i'll tell you it's not a secret but, but um paul and i worked together for two years before we ever met face to face oh wow to this, even to this day we've only ever met twice so <laughs> i understand that's the amazing and that yeah, is a, so in a way a, a byproduct of covid <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm in Brisbane and Chris is in uh, Sydney. So uh, yeah, yeah right. so, so we're sort of the reverse uh, to most people. Um, <laughs> I, I was interested before we uh, we started recording, you were telling us that 
that that Alan's have you know adopted a very sort of robust approach to hybrid. Uh, yep. And you, you yourself uh, commute uh, from Thurrell, is that how you say it? That's right. Uh, yep. <laughs> a beach south of Sydney. So uh, yeah. So uh, tell tell us about the way the environment is now and how it's different to what it was before. Yeah, I mean it's been a bit of a, a journey. The pendulum's kind of swung one way, and it's starting to swing back a little bit the other way. I think everybody has certainly seen the benefits of having a mix of, of in-office and at-home work and we continue to, most people continue to work in, in that way and that's fully endorsed by the firm and encouraged. Um, yeah, I mean, being a national firm as well, you're often collaborating with people in other offices anyway. So, you know, there could be days where you're in the office physically but you're on video calls all day with colleagues in Melbourne or Brisbane or Perth or Vietnam or PNG. So, um you know, we, we've always been accustomed to kind of collaborating in that way, but but you certainly do, um, yeah, you get some, there's something very special about in-person interaction that just helps to lift the gaze a bit and get you out of your little bubble and introduce a bit more perspective. Um, and I've very much enjoyed coming back in um, for part of my week. Tamri, we, we were... Checking up on your bio, we learned that you're a you're a passionate chef when you're not at work ah. and enjoy <laughs> cooking. Um, I'm always fascinated by what people do when they're not at work because it sometimes sort of reveals more about them than than what they do at work. And I'm, I'm just, I always think of cooking as a very very creative outlet, especially when you run out of an ingredient, you've got to improvise. Yes. And you, you know, it's a, it's an act of creativity. Um, yeah, and no, I, I am I, that kind of chef, Chris. What can I make from the cupboard? <laughs> I, I pride myself on not following recipes. That's just every recipe I have. Anyway, but, but my question is, does your cooking in any way inform what you do at work? Do you watch yourself creating at home and sometimes think, I've, I've, this interesting way I work? And uh, do the two inform each other in any way? Yeah, I mean, I certainly, the parts of my job that I enjoy the most are when I am able to kind of yeah, create something from scratch, you know, talk to someone, understand their story and turn that into something that is compelling and that people can connect with. Um, I do enjoy a number of creative pursuits outside of work and I kind of grew up with a, a mother who was very creative and continues to sculpt and paint and, you know, um, all of this sort of thing. I, I enjoy going to life, drawing. Um, I do, you know, lots of other crafts, sewing, knitting, um, you know, I'll turn my hand at, at anything. And my my 11-year-old son actually is very creative indeed and just loves loves art and sculpting and, and drawing. And so um, in, I enjoy sharing that with him as well. Yeah, actually, that's it's just talking about your mother. We had my mother on the on the podcast oh. uh, early on. You can check it out. I can't remember which number. Yeah, it is. Um, my mum's ninety two now, and she's still wow. she's still uh, writing and painting and crocheting and uh, yeah, not cooking anymore. But uh, yeah, and she's <laughs> just and her her whole thing uh, approach to life was that when she wakes up every morning, she thinks, "What can I make today?" Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, so. Uh, and that certainly has yeah, that's it. wonderful. I mean, I, I will just return quickly to that to that cooking question because I am very slapdash with my um with my cooking, which I think is another thing I've inherited from my mother is just kind of take all take what's there and make the best of it. And I do think that that's an approach that I apply to my work. I'm not particularly structured or 
methodical in the way that I approach um, creative problems at work. I'm a bit more slapdash. What have we got to work with here? How can we make this look presentable and, and appealing and um I certainly connect with that idea of let's call it being spontaneous rather than slapdash, yeah. but but I certainly empathise with that. I find the secret is to surround yourself by other people who really know about process, and so that when you're kind yeah. of riffing, they go, "Good, we'll put it in that box," and, and things come together. I, I had an observation on on what you said about the connection between your creative outlets and work, because because you said in passing it gets you into the flow, and I wonder if that. That practicing being creative when you're outside of work, whether it be sculpting or art or cooking, you become good at that flow, which we all connect with when we're being creative. And perhaps it's a muscle that you can then use at work, get into mm-hmm. the flow of solving. Do you, so, is that true? Is do you reckon that practicing getting into the flow helps you do it more quickly? Maybe that's yeah, kind of... perhaps. And and while I say I'm not a very structured person, I do think that if you are someone who needs to devote time to creative pursuits as part of your work, it is important to to carve out time for it because it's very easy to become hostage to the inbox, to the to-do list um, and to all of the, you know, rats and mice that come across your desk. And it is difficult to dip in and out of that kind of creative work. You do need to sort of be able to devote, you know, an hour to actually immerse yourself in something and get the story out on paper that, that was a powerful phrase being hostage to inbox like my question is do you think <laughs> we've creativity has suffered in the world of covid that we we're all spend our lives on zoom and responding to emails and we're not allowing ourselves to go and walk and stretch and mm. and do things that aren't in front of that digital screen that we sit at yeah i, I mean it kind of comes back to what i was saying earlier about hybrid like i find that because I worked from, you know, worked from home for quite a long time and have only really been coming back in, you know, one day a week for the last little while. And it is very easy to kind of lose perspective and get sucked into this kind of burden of tasks that need to be done. And coming into the office, while it can at first feel unproductive because you get a lot less work done and things crossed off your list because you're seeing people and you're traveling in and you're you know moving from the train station to your desk and having to walk to the toilet and walk to the (laughs) coffee machine um it's actually I think it is a bit of a it lets off a bit of a pressure valve and it just creates some space again for you to have some perspective and um think a little bit more broadly so yeah I, I think you're probably right and it's important as counterintuitive as it feels to schedule sort of activity into your day I do think it's important for to preserve creativity it's it's trap I'm gonna ask this question Paul um because you actually have three kinds of work because there's working at home there's working at the office and you have a relatively long commute and you were talking about you said you get a lot done I wonder if is that is that a different kind of work again because on a train you're being sort of rocked gently to and fro outside the window scenery's going by it's a kind of meditative moment is is that a different moment different kind of work yeah yeah I mean I I probably should be a bit more deliberate about planning what work I want to do on the train because it it can end up sometimes feeling like a little bit of a wasted 
time because the the service is patchy and if you kind of want to get through some things some tasks that require you to send some emails you can end up sort of sitting around going oh I can't send it now because there's no connectivity and you end up kind of turning the wheels a bit but if you've got something to do some writing to do um, something that you can really immerse yourself in that doesn't require you to be connected you know to the internet um, it is actually it and like I said before we started um sometimes the train ride can feel not long enough you kind of look up and you're like oh no I'm here and I'm not finished yet I'm in the flow and I want to keep going end up at Kayama it's it's very interesting uh and just some observations from from our learnings um we in our you know thing we do around ideas and stories that 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 basically there's the science about um you know the, the need to you know uh have you know, quiet time to be creative, but there's mm. also if you want to generate ideas, it's much better to do it face to face with people. It works. But on the flip side, when you're telling stories, uh, Yuri Hassan from Princeton has shown that uh, if you're a good storyteller, that what's in my brain is implanted in in the in the listener's brain, um, irrespective. And so, what mm. I thought was interesting is that you know the idea of working from home is can be quiet time obviously during covid it wasn't because we had kids around and and partners and stuff but your quiet time is actually on the train most of the time when you've got lack of service so uh you know i think chris is right you have three modes of working which is uh, interesting yeah yeah now tamra we challenged you we we have a model for creativity which covers on ideas stories and something we term illustrations and and illustrations in our world is usually some kind of visual illustration it could be a picture or whatever it can also be um, a case study can be a metaphor can be a statistic and so we challenged you is there a an illustration that brings your theory of um, creativity to life I I don't know if you had a chance to do that if you did it'd be great to hear about it I mean I think Alan's is is turning 200 um, in July this year, which is an extraordinary milestone in Australia, and and I think can, you know, age can sometimes be associated with, um, yeah, a fustiness or you know convention and um, set ways of doing things. But um, I, I do feel that the story of Alan's actually is a really interesting expression of of creativity because we have you know we've grown with the nation we've we've had to change and adapt and morph and evolve over that time to continue to maintain our place and um and creativity pops up in the most unexpected places in that environment um you see it on the walls we have the most amazing art collection but you also see it in the the people you know um their creativity is expressed in so many interesting ways through, you know, uh, through isolation and lockdown. We saw people having photo competitions of their bin outings, you know, dressed up in all kinds of amazing attire. But you also see it in, you know, these really novel structures that people come up with to do a huge merger or um, an acquisition of a company, which, you know, doesn't sound very creative, but actually requires a lot of a lot of creative thought. So, um yeah, I do. I do feel that that Allen's as a as a firm is actually a really interesting um, example so, of the many and varied ways that creativity can be is expressed. It too much of a stretch to suggest that, that that one of the secrets of Allen's longevity is its 
openness to creativity because it's a it's an amazing achievement Truly, there are so many businesses that don't last you know 200 days let alone yeah. 200 years uh, and you, okay. you've got to ask the question what's the secret how did they do that or how do you do that yeah so, i mean creative. it is create creative and courageous is actually one of our core values and interestingly i feel it's the one that people identify with the least um you know as distinct from something like driven by excellence which is really a undergirding principle of, of law like there is just you know this absolute commitment to excellence and accuracy um all the time which i think is, is something that people really connect with but um in some ways i think that creativity suffers from a bit of an image problem as well that people people think i'm not creative or i you know that they, they they hear that label and they attach certain meaning to it but when you scratch the surface um there's actually a lot of creativity in what people do, but they're just probably not labelling it as such. So I do think that that creativity and creatively solving problems and adapting to the environment around us is, is a secret of our success, for sure. You, you've thrown down the gauntlet to pull the light. Again, the idea of creativity having an image problem, I think is a really good point. And here we are on a podcast <laughs> called The Common Creative. Paul, you and I should spend some time on that topic because you know, what, what Tamara's saying is, you know, there's an image problem to address here. Really good. We, we should, we should. Um, and also just looking at you said you made a post the other day about uh, Gillian Maxwell as being a great guide for you in yes. your journey at Allen's. And I was just looking that she's got the surprises about this 200-year-old desk belonging to her firm's founder. Um, yeah. Can you, can you tell us about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, the firm was founded by George Allen who came out on a convict ship, started his practice on a little cottage on Elizabeth Street here in Sydney and... Um, Yes, that, that desk is one of the, the treasures, among many others, that um, have continued to be held by the Allen family and are now uh, in our possession as we celebrate our 200th birthday. But um, the desk is actually fascinating. It's full of hidden little compartments and treasures and, um, yeah, it's very surprising and delightful. Um, you should check out the video on LinkedIn. I will check that. That is fascinating. So how old was he when he started? Just He came when he was 15. I'm, I'm he came when he was 15. Um, oh, that's testing my knowledge. I'm not sure exactly how long it was when, how old he was when he started his articles. But the firm was founded in 1822, so that's when he completed his legal studies and and right. set up shop. Wow! And, and Tamara, you said he came on a convict ship. What was he a convict? No, his his stepfather. Um, so his father had died. His mother remarried, and his stepfather was convicted of forging medicine labels on. Bottle, medicine bottles and he was sentenced to hang but um, Mary Collicott, George's mother, petitioned um, to have him his sentence reduced to transportation and, and she and the children followed him to Australia. Mm. Um, wow. That is yeah. I was hoping to hear the story of the convict that set up a legal practice. I thought that would be a bit of fun. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. No, no. Unfortunately, I, I think I don't think you could find someone much further from a convict than George Allen. I don't think he was too fond of dancing or drink, and he was quite a staunch Methodist. But um, you know, he uh, a great lawyer nonetheless, and, and a really great contributor to the early civic life of Sydney. Mm. So um, yeah, look. So tomorrow, is there anything that you'd like to? Um, you know, to sign off on. It's been a, a great, a great chat and uh, really interesting. Uh, you know, this this insight into the fact that um, 
you know, lawyers are creative and particularly, you know, your surprise after coming from accountants that, you know, you expected more of the same and, yeah. and you've been pleasant with your pride. And obviously you've been there for eight years, so you obviously love it. So, uh, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think the other thing that I've come to learn through my work is that everyone has a story, even people that think they're really boring and that they don't have anything to offer. Um, you ask the right questions, you, you know, you dig a little deeper and everybody has something interesting to share. And so teasing that out is part of the joy of my work. Um, and, yeah, I think it's the, the foundation of, of connection, finding those those little stories that everybody has. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Tamara. I, I, I love <laughs> your point. I think everyone has a story and I hear so many of my clients who go, I have nothing to say, there's nothing I've never... And I completely agree with you. Everyone has a story. That's a lovely moment, way of finishing us off. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure yeah. to chat to you. Not a problem. Lovely to meet you both. Thank you so much, Tamara Rule. And what a bunch of stimulating ideas for us to chat about. Does creativity really have an image problem? We'd love to hear your comments and thoughts about this. If, you, if you've got a view about image problem of creativity, or perhaps it's hybrid working, or perhaps it's how storytelling can lift the veil on an image perception, let us know. Jot your comments in the notes below. We'd love it if you'd subscribe so that you, we can show other people um, about the world of creativity. And of course, if you'd like to get us involved, we have a special program that might be able to help in your workplace. Yes, if you check out the links in the notes below, you will see our upcoming online programs and you can check out the work we do on the twocommoncreators.com. But yes, Chris, I think, uh, as you said, Tamara has put a challenge up to us so we can work on the uh, image, the image uh, problem of creativity. So uh, I think that's a... Uh, it's a great challenge for us to think about. So we'll see you uh, next week's episode. Thanks for joining us on The Common Creative. Mm -hmm.